Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. It was a time of crisis. Israel was totally unprepared for the vicious attack of the Philistines. There were no resources to deliver them. But a man named Samuel came to their rescue. He said, I will pray for you unto the Lord. And the Bible says that Samuel cried out. He cried out unto the Lord for Israel. And the Lord heard him. And what was the result? Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 10. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomforted them, and they were smitten before Israel. The Bible says that Samuel provided a covering weapon for the armies of his people, and the Lord answered with air cover. Israel marched into battle, but Jehovah went in before them to answer the prophet's prayer. I mean, you could hear the sound of tens of thousands of marching feet. You could hear the rolling of the drums. The sound of the trumpets pierced the air. But all of these sounds were drowned out by the great thunder that fell upon the Philistines that day. The enemy armies were smitten before the God of Israel. The Philistines were subdued. You see, some people ridicule the very idea of the effectiveness of prayer. They say that it's unscientific, unpractical. Those who, who daily try it have no doubt about the power of prayer. When we know how to pray... The thunder will lift its voice in answer to our cry. And God's arrows will be scattered abroad to the overthrowing of our adversaries. When we pray, we release power from the skies. Mighty angels of God join us by battling the forces of darkness, the ones that are unseen by our very own eyes, but are fighting us in awesome reality. Prayer brings about holy, all-out victory for Jesus Christ. You see, it wasn't the first time God had provided rescue from the skies in a hopeless situation. God spread over them this protecting arm, and the psalmist refers to this incident among other times when Israel's armies were saved by cover. The 99th Psalm in verse 6, it says, Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among them called upon his name. They called upon the Lord and he answered them. You see, the Israelites gave up their idols and the Lord intervened for them. Well, the same can take place in our life. When human beings come to the place when they recognize that life is just unsatisfactory, when they find themselves attached to the world's idols, whatever that idol may be, 
those things that seem so important to us suddenly begin to lose their luster. There's a story told that one day the great Tolstoy was walking in the country. He saw a peasant and observed the look of peace and happiness on that man's face. Tolstoy said to himself, this peasant has nothing. And yet he seems filled with the joys of life. And after a period of honest study, Tolstoy concluded that he was missing God. And so he sought God and one day he found him. And then he knew the answer to that inner hunger and that discontent. And as a result of his own experience, Tolstoy gave us the great conclusion, to know God is to live. You see, the Israelites were strongly at uh, attracted to the experience of Samuel. He had something they did not have. They observed the fellowship he was enjoying with God during those past 20 years. They were impressed and they coveted that relationship. And they asked him to pray for them because they believed in his prayers. You see, the story of Samuel is an example of intercessory prayer. Praying for others is the highest form of prayer. It's an act of communion with Christ. We are told that Jesus prayed for his enemies when he said, hanging there on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The Bible tells us that Jesus constantly pleads on our behalf. It is part of his priestly office to make intercession for his people. He ascended on high to this end. And at this very moment, Jesus is exercising that office right now. There are many people that can trace their own conversion to the prayers of certainly godly persons. In innumerable instances, the prayers of parents have availed to bring young people to Christ. They're told that David prayed for his enemies. He stated that these enemies had raised up false witnesses against him and had accused him of deeds he knew nothing about. And, he re and had rewarded him evil for good. What was his reaction? Psalm 35, verses 13 and 14. But when they were sick, I wore clothes for grieving, and I kept a strict fast. When my prayer came back unanswered, I would wander around like I was grieving a friend or a brother. I was weighed down, sad, like I was a mother in mourning. Samuel provided a covering prayer for his people. He said in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 12, verse 23, But me, I would never sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. I will teach you what is good and right. You see, Samuel was so rooted in the habit of intercessory prayer for his people 
that the very idea that he could cease to do this, it was repulsive and shocking for him. The denial of his prayers didn't seem to have even entered his mind. He was astonished at the very idea, horrified and indignant of the mere suggestion that he would stop praying. God forbid it, he said. It was the strongest expression he could use. Prayer was so much a part of his life that it was embedded in his very nature. The habit of intercession was a part and it was part and parcel of himself. Now, why was this the case? How did Samuel develop so much power in prayer? His very existence was a result of prayer. I mean, his birth was a result of the prayers of a sorrowful mother who pleaded with God for a son. And when he was born, what did she say? For this child, I prayed. He was named in prayer, for his very name signifies asked of God. Samuel was nurtured by prayer. His father made periodic trips to Shiloh to worship in the temple. But Samuel's mother stayed faithful. She stayed at home and, and she nurtured young Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 21 and 22. But Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up until the child be weaned. And then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. It says that when the child Samuel was weaned, she took him to the temple as she had promised. She and her husband made another trip to the temple at Shiloh and there she left him to learn the service of the temple. She says in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verses 27 and 28, I prayed for this boy, and the Lord gave me what I asked from him. So now I give this boy back to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Even then, she didn't forget her child. She continued to pray for him every day. Samuel was the subject of, of his mother's prayers. She didn't pray that Samuel would attain worldly greatness, but she pleaded earnestly with God that he might attain the greatness which heaven values, that he might acquire those things that will honor God and, and will bless his, his fellow man. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, we read, Now Samuel was serving the Lord, he was a young boy clothed in a linen priestly vest. His mother would make a small robe for him and take it to him every year when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Can you imagine Hannah busy with her project? I can imagine her singing as she worked at it. This was not a dreary task for her. Her hands just flew, inspired by her love. All of her artistic ability, all of her talents were concentrated 
in that particular task. It was her goal to prepare something that would only not, not only be useful and practical, but would also be beautiful. And when Hannah was separated from her child, her solitude did not end. While she was sewing, she was praying. Every stitch of that coat was mingled with the prayer, praying that her son would be pure, that he would be noble and honest. She didn't pray for him to be famous. She didn't pray for him to be rich. But she prayed that he would be obedient to God. She prayed that he would continue in his childlike simplicity and never turn his back on the love of God. After leaving his mother, it was of his lot to live in the house of prayer. During his earliest days, he was honored by a divine visitation. What was his response? His response was, speak, Lord, for thy servant hears. This simple cry from a sincere heart was accepted by God. Born, nurtured, housed, and trained in prayer, he never departed from the way of supplication. He is referred to by the prophets as an example of intercessory prayer. When the prophet Jeremiah pleaded on behalf of the children of Israel, God referred him to Moses and Samuel. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 1. The Lord said to me, even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, I wouldn't change my mind about these people. Send them away from me. Let them go. Moses was a prime example of intercessory prayer. God places Samuel in that same category, side by side with Moses. Samuel was loved and trusted, but even so, there came a time in his old age when he turned, when his people turned against him. They said, you are old and your, and your sons don't walk in your ways. We want a king like the other nations to rule over us. It was a difficult time for him, for he had poured out his life in service for them. The old man was sorely grieved. He could have become angry. He could have retaliated. He could have become bitter. But what did he do? True to his custom, instead of scolding the people, he took his problem to the Lord, 1 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 6. It seemed very bad to Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So he prayed to the Lord. What a lesson for you and me. Instead of going about and telling one another about our hurt feelings, it would be much better for us to go to our close, to go into our closet and rehearse our prayer there and send it to the ears of God. And God responded with comforting words. He said, they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. The slight upon God's servant was a rejection of God himself. The people of Samuel's day asked for his prayers because they had faith in the prayers of this man. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 19 says, All of them said to Samuel, Please pray for us, your servants, to the Lord your God, so we don't die, because we have added to our many sins the evil of asking for a king. 
they greatly valued his prayers and felt that if their national life and their personal life depended on his pleadings. Now, did Samuel cease to pray for them? God forbid that I should stop praying for you, he said. And when King Saul turned aside, despising the counsel of Samuel and becoming a traitor to his own Lord, Samuel again made intercession for him. You can find that in 1 Samuel 15, verse 11. Samuel was upset at this and he prayed to the Lord all night long. He spent a whole night pleading with God for that wayward king. He pursued the issue as far as he could. He pushed it until the Lord gave him a warning that there was no use in it. God said to him, how long will you mourn for Saul? Saul had been an inspiring leader. As the first chief of state under a new form of administration, he had an almost hypnotic power over the high-spirited and independence-loving Israelite people. But he had rapidly developed into a cruel, tyrannical, unforgiving king. It was very hard for Samuel to give up on him, but Samuel had been an intercessor from, from the time of his youth. He had never ceased praying for his, for his fellow men. And it, it was a practice he continued until he closed his eyes. Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. He felt that it would have been a sin to abstain from intercession. Once during a difficult time in England's history, Cromwell wrote to his admirals at sea the following, you have a plentiful stock of prayers going up for you daily, which is to us and I trust will be to you a matter of great encouragement. When Martin Luther felt particularly strong and happy, he would exclaim, I feel as if I were being prayed for. When a person is under criticism by someone else, it pushes them down further. But when they know that someone is praying for them, that very knowledge is a source of sustaining strength. When you pray for someone else, we can think of our prayers as, as lifting that person into the presence of God. We're not trying to tell God something he doesn't know. We're not trying to persuade God to do something he doesn't want to do. You know, Augustine said, without God, we cannot. Without us, God will not. Think of yourself as supplying the human cooperation that is necessary to bring the person and God together. You know, someone has suggested that, that when we pray for someone else, we should picture that person in a room of a house and God in the next room. And between the two, there is a wall. But if we stand in the doorway connecting the two rooms, then we can see the ones in each room. One could speak to the other through you. It may be that we have contact with some person who needs God's help. And between that person and God, there is a wall. It may be a wall of unbelief or unconcern, a wall of wrong living, but because we have contact both with that person and with God, we become the contact point between the, to the two. And our prayers bring that person's needs before God's power. That's intercessory prayer. 
There is nothing on earth that Satan fears as much as prayer. He doesn't know how to cope with this weapon. The Christian needs to keep up a prayer offensive when the follower of Christ is willing to mobilize all their prayer resources, they are employing heavy artillery in God's arsenal against the powers of darkness. Prayer is released with devastating effects on Satan's forces. Prayer is not a child's toy. It's not a weapon for recreational hunting, not even for merely self-defense. Prayer is a mighty weapon for all our spiritual warfare against Satan. It is heavy artillery for offensive action against Satan. And it's God's provision for victory. Arthur Matthews wrote, In any situation where Satan dominates and threatens, God looks for someone through whom he may declare war on the enemy. He purposes that through that person... Satan be served notice to back up, pack up, and clear out. Christ's messengers are covered by God's canopy of protection and unseen but real dangers intended by Satan are warded off in prayer. Outer defenses of the bastions of Satan are breached, fortresses are pulverized and leveled, and captives of sin and Satan are set free by the power of Jesus as the warrior saints pray on. God invites us to challenge the forces of darkness, to confront the invading legions of hell, move in to attack on the frontiers of Satan. It is always God's hour to prevail through our holy prayer. Raise your banner high. Raise your hand high to heaven's throne and claim Jesus for victory. You know, after the Japanese captured Manila in 1942, the American and Filipino forces withdrew to Bataan. Weakened by hunger, disease, exhaustion, they fought a delaying action for 98 days. On April the 9th, 36,000 troops under General Edward P. King surrendered. The Japanese forced the prisoners to walk 85 miles in 12 days to a prisons in the north. The death march of Bataan killed more than 5,000 Americans and a much larger number of Filipinos. A year later, American troops were ready to launch a great offensive in the Solomon Islands. The Secretary of War published this announcement in the papers. There is twice as much food as the soldiers can eat. There is twice as much ammunition as the soldiers can fire. There are twice as many nurses and doctors as would ordinarily be needed in any military engagement. There are twice as many medical supplies as could be needed. There are twice as many airplanes as are possessed by the enemy. We are prepared for every contingency. You see, there will never be a spiritual baton when God's people avail themselves of the power of prayer. All of God's gifts are poured out in abundance. The Lord will provide all our needs and more. And without prayer, there can be no victory, only a fatal death march. But God today is ready to give us victory. Thanks be to God who gives us that victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. 
Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of prayer. We thank you that you answer prayer and you attend to all of our needs. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our special offer. On each and every program, we make a resource available to you, our viewer, to help you in your spiritual journey, something to incentivize you to deeper understanding of God's will and God's plan for your life as well as my life. Today is no exception. We have this wonderful little resource here. It's a book. It is called The Greatest Sermon Ever Preached. We'd love to send you this as a gift from Lessons for Living Television. There is no obligation. There is no cost whatsoever to you. This gift will arrive at your home, postage paid. It'll come in the mail. If you desire to request this resource, pay close attention to the information we're about to give you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Let me start by thanking you so much for watching and for being with us. And may I be so bold as to ask you to help us get the word out so that your friends and family might be able to tune in next time. Let me make you aware of a couple of things before we go. Our website, l4ltv.com. I think it's a great resource for additional materials. All of our previous programs are accessible through the website on the previous programs tab. If you go to the archived sermons tab, you'll see that there's different messages. I believe most of those are from our presentations I did out in Edmonton. And you can watch the presentation and then there's a handout that you can download. So check that out. You can also make a donation. We are a charitable organization. Every dollar that is committed, first of all, goes straight into the ministry, doesn't come to me or my family, and is eligible for a uh, tax, an official tax receipt for income tax purpose. Check that out, Donate Today tab, l4ltv.com. Follow me on Instagram every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I put out a one-minute devotional video. Like our Facebook page, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow me on Twitter, 
check out our SoundCloud page for an audio version of the program. Very quickly before we go, I want to encourage you also to visit another website called missionnowcanada.com. There you'll see a description of some of the overseas mission work that we do, the humanitarian work. Maybe you will join us next time. Well, all out of time. Thank you again for being with us. Hope to see you back here again next time. God bless you. We'll see you back here then.